Hello. Hello. Hi. Everyone doing well? Doing good? Good. Uh, my name is, as they mentioned, my name is Andy. I'm one of the leaders here at SOMA. And I just wanted to welcome you guys. If it's your first time, your second time, your millionth time, I just wanted to welcome you and say hi. Um, hi. So I'm always thankful and grateful to be able to be here with you guys, to preach, to teach. Uh, it's always a privilege for me uh, because I always get to talk about our loving and good God because he is truly loving and good. Uh, and, and tonight, I get to be up here and brag about his goodness and his lovingness in regards to sex. Yes. So we just started a series a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago called Sex And. And the first week, Kelly kicked us off our college pastor. And uh, yeah, he did an awesome job. He talked about how uh, we should let God, the maker, the creator of sex, actually shape and define our views on sex rather than our past experiences or our culture around us. And last week, Waz preached about sex and identity, which is a favorite topic of mine, honestly, uh, especially for the college age. Uh, And this week, I have the joy of talking about sex in the body. So basically, welcome back to sex ed class in high school. And I know that probably just gave you some terrible images that you want to forget. Um, yeah, because it's not, it's a, yeah, I'm just going to end it there. Um, so we're talking about sex and bodies. And uh, I have a confession to make with my body is that I love food. Yeah, you didn't think it was going there. <laughs> Didn't think it was going there. Um, so I'm a foodie, a big time foodie. Uh, uh, my body takes in a lot of food. Uh, I, I mean, it's the best, and it's one of my greatest pleasures to find some random hole in the wall that's amazing and delicious and cheap. Um, but there is a place that's not so cheap, and it's my favorite restaurant, and it's called Plan Check. I know it sounds weird, but it is called Plan Check. Uh, and it's a gourmet burger place, and they have the best burgers I've ever had. No, hold on. And I've been to a ton of gourmet burger places. I've been to Umami Burger. I've been to Father's Office. I've been to Stout Burger. If it's in L.A. and it's a gourmet burger, I've probably been there. And if you disagree with me that Plan Check's not the best burger, then your palate is probably just inferior to mine. <laughs> um... So, have you guys ever had that meal uh, that you just, you can think, you can literally just think about it right now, and you were amazed at it? Because I remember the first time, for me, this was my experience at Plan Check. I heard about this place, but so I went there, took a bite of the burger, and my mind was blown at how freaking awesome this thing was. I mean, I took a bite, I had to put it down, just look at it, (laughs) literally just look at it, look up to the sky, raise my hands, and start singing. (laughs) Not really, but I mean, it it was amazing. But I did experience the glory of God in that moment, and I truly do believe that. Uh, And as I've mentioned before, I've actually mentioned this at some point before, I like to worship God through food. I will actually thank him for making my taste buds and thank him for for things like a delicious burger at Plan Check. Uh, but just like we can worship God through our flavors, through taste buds, we can also, also worship God through sex. 
and our sexual interactions, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's what we're going to look at. Uh, But before we jump into our passage tonight, let's go ahead and pray. God, you're good. And we love you. And we trust you. And we want to hear what you have to say tonight. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would use my words to penetrate hearts, penetrate walls that have been put up, that your truth would be at the forefront of all things, that you would lift high Jesus and show off his beauty, show him as the ultimate thing to be desired. And I pray against shame or any discouragement in talking about this topic. Ask for peace and restoration, and hope, and holiness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to be in our Bibles in Romans, or not Romans, 1 Corinthians 6. So we can, and we'll be starting in verse 12. So I'll, as you guys are getting there, I'm just going to give a little bit of a background uh, information on this passage. So, uh, Paul wrote this letter, this letter of 1 Corinthians, to the church in Corinth. And part of, it was part of the early movement of Jesus. It was, it was a pretty big church. Was, Paul wrote long letters to this church. And one of the things that Paul mentions about in this letter is this idea of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was this false teaching that was actually trying to penetrate the church in the early years of its formation. Uh, in fact, a lot of Paul's letters actually talk about and respond to the Gnostic, Gnosticism philosophies in some ways. Uh, and there's a lot of things that Gnosticism teaches that's against God. It's against scripture. Uh, it's against the truth of God. Uh, but for our purposes tonight, we're just going to focus on one thing, that one, this one idea that comes up in Gnosticism. And this one idea that comes up in Gnosticism is the idea that our bodies don't matter. They're basically a shell for our soul, which is the thing that matters, what we would call the eternal thing or what have it. Um, And ultimately, what Gnostics would say is, your soul is eternal, so train up your soul. Make your soul stronger. Do it, but but with our body, we can do whatever we want. We should train and teach our soul, but our body, just, you don't need to do anything about it. So as long as our souls are good, then our bodies are just going to decay, and so do whatever the heck you want with them. Basically, have sex with anyone you want, have sex with everyone you want, eat as much food as you want, be gluttonous, do whatever you want with your body. Don't take care of it, don't exercise, because it's just going to end up gone anyway. And Paul is going to show why God disagrees with, with this. Uh, and so our passage tonight, in, starting in verse 12, is going to combat this. So let's jump in. in. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6 again, says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for their body. So the things in quotes there that says, like, everything is permissible for me, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul is quoting the things that the Corinthians are asking about. And some of the believers in the Corinthian church were actually falling prey to this idea that what we do with our bodies don't matter. Uh, they said, I have the right to do anything. Basically, that's what they say. 
everything is permissible for me in regards to their body. But at least they admit not everything's beneficial. They got that one down. But they say food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy them both. It doesn't say it in this passage, but basically they're combining the two examples I was doing with food and sex that I can worship God with through food and then also with our bodies. Um, so what they're saying is, is that, the se- that sex is for the body and the body is for sex. But Paul's going to say, no, that's not how it works. Your body is for the Lord. And what you do with your body matters. So let's go ahead and read verse 14. And Paul says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. So Paul says, one problem is that God does care about your body. In fact, he cares about it enough to raise it from the dead. And he's going to raise each and every one of us for who believe in him, from the dead, in a physical body, just as God rose Jesus from the dead in a physical body. And this is actually a really good and fun truth. Uh, So I'm just going to head down a little rabbit trail, a little side note uh, for a quick second. Because the fact of the matter is, is you are going to receive a new and perfect body in the next life. Later on in this letter, Paul almost gives half a chapter in chapter 15, saying about the res- talking about the resurrected bodies that we're going to receive. And in the end, after Jesus comes back, God is going to recreate everything and perfect us, including our bodies when he resurrects us. And all believers are going to be resurrected, raised from the dead in a truly physical form, in a truly physical world. But the great thing is, is that this body is completely new. So all those problems that you have right now in your body are not going to be there. You're no longer going to have any issues, no more pain when you eat, which means you can eat anything, which to I say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. And no more food allergies. Yeah. And no more disease, no more mental illnesses, no more genetic mutations, no more back pain, no more autism, no more anything wrong with our bodies. This is how much God cares about our bodies. He's going to raise them in a perfected form. So going back to our passage, we're going to read in verses 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that it is he who unites himself with a prostitute? That he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So the moment that we repent... We come to faith in Jesus. We put our faith, we put our hope, our trust in him. The moment we see the beauty of the gospel and we put our trust in, God, in Christ's work, in Jesus' work on the cross, we, in that instant we were born again. And we were united, as Paul says, with Jesus. We saw that we needed God and we saw that we needed ja- Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to atone for our sin. 
and to cover our rebellion against God. And in that moment, we saw that Jesus gave it all. And he did give it all. And he gave it all for all of you, including your body and what you do with your body. And then God raised Jesus from the dead so that his resurrected body, as we learn about in Scripture, and we see how Jesus interacts with food and he drinks, that his resurrected body is a prototype of our resurrected body. And because we put our faith in Jesus, we've become one with him, as Paul is mentioning here. Um, And now that we're members of Christ's body, where we go, Jesus is there with us. And so Paul says, how can you unite your body, who's united with Jesus, now with a prostitute? Or in other words, basically just immoral sexuality. We're members of Jesus' body now. And when we commit sexual sin, we're defiling what Jesus has purchased. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. As Paul says later in this verse. So we're going to keep on going in verse 18. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Stop there really fast. Run from it. I'm not joking. Run from it. It will destroy. And don't play with fire. Don't let the thoughts mull around too long. Flee from it fast. Because when you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And I guarantee you, when you play with sex, you're going to get burned. I guarantee you. But there's good news. Um, And we'll get there. Don't worry. So Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Guys, look, this isn't a joke. This is serious business. And there's something different about sexual sin. As Paul says here, there's something different. It's, for all other sins, it's outside the body. But sexual sin is against your own body. And he drives the nail in. Paul drives the nail in even further. You're a temple of the living God. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. What are you doing? Don't you know you're no longer your own? You're God's. You're Jesus's. You're part of his body. And he's purchased you with his blood. So why do you do what you do? Paul's saying God has better plans for our body. Jesus has purchased all of us, including our bodies. So now, just like in every area of our life, let's honor him with our bodies. So that's our passage for tonight. And there's some ideas and truths that are in it that I want to kind of pull out and, and talk about. I want to dive a little bit deeper into. And my prayer is that as we go through these truths, God stirs up your affections for him. The Holy Spirit stirs up your affections for Jesus and for living for him in a righteous and pure way. So first off, 
the first thing that I want to pull out from this is your body desires sex. I know, I'm a genius. I pulled that one out. Mind-blowing. But that's actually just the truth of it. Your body desires sex. The hormones that regulate your body, once you hit puberty, push you to want to have sex. Uh, and, And that is okay. Nothing's wrong with you. That's normal. In fact, that's the way it's supposed to be. God made you that way. God designed it that way. And God designed it that way because God loves sex. And he wants our bodies to desire it. The problem is, how do we deal with that desire when we don't have the freedom to engage in that desire? How do we deal with that desire when we're not married and we can't satisfy that bodily desire? And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty about the hormones, their names, and all the things they make you do, and for that matter, all the things the hormones make you want to do. But I will mention testosterone. Sorry, guys. (laughs) You have lots of this. There's no going around it, especially at this age, and it makes you want to have sex a lot. There's no going around it, period. Sorry. Girls, you have hormones that make you want to feel safe, They make you want to feel connected more than guys. And for you, not all the time, but most of the time, you want to have sex because it makes you feel loved, connected, and safe. A good quote that my senior, when I was in high school, my senior life, marriage and life teacher said, was that guys play with sex, or play with love. Guys play with love to have sex. And girls play with sex to feel loved. And that's basically, in a deeper level, that's chemistry. That's actually how God made it to be. And and so how do we deal with it? How do we deal with these desires that our bodies want? Well, remember how I talked about how I love food? And just thinking about food makes me happy. Um, So in loving food, that means for me, Fasting is really, really, really hard. Because to me, it makes sense. I love food. My body w- tells me it wants food, so it's the perfect marriage. And I can indulge in my body's desires. But every once in a while, God asks me not to. He asks me to go on a fast. And thankfully, it's only every once in a while. <laughs> because it's hard, but it is so good. And this example, is it's a good example of our body's desire to have sex. Um, I mean, think of it, the way I, I learned this, probably, I don't know, six years ago, I read this article on Relevant Magazine, um, <laughs> and I say that cautiously, um, but I read an article that ta- compared fasting to the idea of not having sex before we're married. Um, think of before you're married and you're, you're, you're not married and you want to have sex, think of not doing it as, as an extended period of fasting. And so I'm going to go on an extended metaphor for a little bit. Why do we fast from food? We fast from food because we're saying, God, we want you, we need you. We need you more than our bodies need food. And when that immense pain of hunger comes in, we pray and say, God, you're better than food. I need you more than food. And when we pray, whatever we're fasting about or whatever we're fasting towards, God honors it. I've seen it in my life. He honors it. 
and he uses fasting for his kingdom and purpose. And the same thing happens with sex. When we're married, when we're, sorry, when we're not married and thus cannot engage with the sexual desires of our bodies in a pure way, we're fasting from what our body desires, what our body is pulling towards. We get to say, God, you are better than sex. You are better than what my body desires right now. And I want it so bad, but I trust you because you're good. And I will follow you. And I promise you, I promise you that God will honor when you worship him in this way. I've tested this out. I've gone through a relationship of staying pure with my now wife, Jacqueline. And from, yes, and from experience, I can promise you that God honors you in your marriage and even in your sex life when you follow his desires for your body. Going back to fasting of food, have you ever broken a a fast of eating? That first bite, that first meal is so good afterwards. It's so good. And... Do I even need to finish the example? (laughs) Um, But let me just tell you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I wasn't sure whether to go with it or not, and I just went with it. So let me just tell you, when you honor God, he will honor you after you get married. Um, Because it's, it's so good. Because there's no guilt. There's no shame. Because you know you're honoring God by actually having sex. You know that you can worship him through the act of sex. Because you're using sex for its intended purpose. And honestly, um, just like I worship God through thanking him for food— there are plenty of times where I'm worshiping God now that I'm married and can't have sex and thanking him for it because it truly is a beautiful, beautiful gift from God. Because sex is good in the right context. The Father doesn't tell us to abstain from something because it, it, it's, at least for this, he doesn't tell us to abstain for it, from it because it's bad. He tells us to abstain from it because he wants to, do, to show us it's going to be good in its right time. He doesn't want to restrict us. He made sex. He made our bodies. He made us. He made how we relate with one another. He knows what's best for us. And he knows that sex in any aspect only works in its intended purpose, fully in its intended purpose, within marriage. And it's time we start trusting him and what he said. And the next thing um, that I feel like the Lord has been teaching me this week is that uh, your body is important to God. In fact, your body is important enough that the part of the package when Jesus came, when the Father sent his Son to purchase your life, your body was part of the package. And Jesus purchased all of you, as I mentioned, he purchased all of you when he died and rose. And when you, when, when you put your faith in him and his sacrifice— Because Jesus came to redeem not just a part of you. He came to redeem all of you. And that includes redeeming your body and how you, and and redeeming the relationships you have 
with others and your body. And because Jesus purchased your body, your body is no longer your own. And this verse is actually, there's a verse um, in 1 Corinthians that says, our body is is no longer our own. Um, And this verse was and is one of the greatest weapons for me against sexual temptation. Because whenever a thought would come, I would always proclaim, no, this body that I'm in now, it isn't mine. It's not mine. It's God's. He purchased it. And I'm going to honor him with it. Because he is worthy of it. He gave me my life back. He gave me hope. He gave me everlasting joy. He gave me the ability to be with him forever. To be with my king forever and ever. And that is so good. And I look forward to it so much every day. And if you're in him, if you've given your life to him, he bought you and raised you up from the pit. Don't you think even the least we can do is be obedient and love him and worship him by responding to our body's sexual desires in a pure way? Which leads me to my last point, which is worship God with your body. Because worshiping God is so much more than just singing songs to him. There is mu- that's musical worship, and we worship him through it, and it's one of my favorite ways to worship God. But we also get to worship him through our obedience. He loves when he calls us to something and we obey. And when a temptation comes and we choose to follow Jesus, we choose to follow in his ways, in that moment, even if it is really, really hard, we're worshiping him when we choose him. So when the thought comes to go look at porn or the thought comes to go and try and seduce a fellow believer into sexual acts or the thought comes to commit a sexual act with a boyfriend or girlfriend, in those moments, we get a choice. We all get a choice. You get a choice. I get a choice. And the choice is, are you going to bow down to sex? Are you going to bow down to sex as a false idol? As millions of people have done, probably billions, over the world's lifetime. Are you going to bow down to sex as a false idol? Or are you going to bow down to the true king of kings? Because which one do you trust more? Which one do you love more? Because this is what it comes down to. This is what it always, always comes down to. We are going to worship what we love. We can't help it. We're worship factories. It's in our nature. God put the nature of worshiping in us. We are worshipers. So are you going to choose to worship at the false throne of sex or the true throne of God? And for those of you who have fallen short in this area, who feel like you've bowed down to the idol of sex once or twice or too many times to count, 
you may be feeling shame. You may have been feeling shame this whole time. You may be feeling discouraged. And you may have been feeling discouraged this whole time. Look at me. Don't be. Shame isn't from God. The greatest shame I ever see in people is when they have committed a sexual act, a sexual sin. But God says, there's no shame here. And because of Jesus, we can be encouraged. We can have hope. Have you given your life to Jesus? Because then on that cross, when he took the punishment for our sin, he took our shame. He took all of our shame. And he went to that cross knowing everything you would do from one to 500. He knew it all. And he willingly went to the cross to pay it all. And I mean all of it. Not just 98% of it. All of it. And right now, there is an announcement over your life. If you're in Christ, there is an announcement over your life that God has proclaimed. And that announcement has gone out from the throne room of God. It's declared in the spiritual realm. And that announcement is, this one is mine. This one is mine. He's declared it. This one is the one whom I love. This is the one I pronounce holy and pure. One of the endlessly beautiful things about God is that whatever he is, he is relentlessly. So God is gracious, and therefore he's relentlessly gracious. He has grace upon 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 grace. And I can keep going because it's not going to run out. It's never going to run out. So you messed up. All right. Yes, don't take advantage of God's grace. But you messed up and Jesus paid for it. Remember when I said your body was purchased by Jesus? Well, he purchased you with his blood. And yet that means that all sins are paid for. Everything you've committed in the body or outside the body, God has paid for. Jesus has paid for because you are clean and pure now because of his sacrifice. So one of my last charges to you would be, um, just as Jesus told the adulterous woman when Jesus saved her from being stoned, he said to her, you are forgiven. Now, Go and sin no more. And that would be my charge to you guys. You are holy, you are pure, you are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And how do we go and sin no more? Well, I can give you a million different ways to put up sexual boundaries that you've probably already heard. You can put one up here, you can put one up there. And the Holy Spirit will often give us sexual boundaries when we're in a relationship or even when we're not. And that's healthy, and that's how it's supposed to be. But giving you practical sexual boundaries won't change your heart. You know what changes your heart? 
being in love. Being in love changes hearts. Being in love with Jesus, seeing his beauty and his glory, being in love with the Father, being in love with the Holy Spirit, being in love with the triune God will change your heart. Why? Because you'll experience his love for you and you will love him. And so when you love him, you'll want to obey. You'll want to follow what he has to say because you trust him. So you want to follow God with your body's sexual desires and you don't want to sin sexually anymore. So what do you do? Fall in love with God more. How do you do that? How do you fall in love with other humans? You spend time with them. You be with them. You get to know them. So spend time with them. Get to know them. Be with him. Here's the greatest practical sexual boundary you've probably never heard and it is the best one you'll ever hear. You ready for it? It's deep. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with the King. Get to know Him. Thank Him. Sit before Him. Relax a little bit with Him. Listen to Him. Read about Him. Fall in love with Him. Enter the throne room that He's in. Enter the throne room of God and just sit there a while. Talk to him, go on a walk with him, go on a bike ride with him, go on a hike with him. Just be with him. Because believe me, he's a lot of fun to be with. A lot of fun. And spending time with him isn't boring. Uh, It's actually the most enjoyable thing of my day. It is constantly the most enjoyable thing of my day. It's even more enjoyable than having sex. And that's saying a lot. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to end with that. So the band can come on up. Um, And they're going to sing a song that's my favorite song right now and probably has been for the last six months. Um, and usually I get sick of songs, worship songs, after playing them all the time, but I literally cannot get sick of this one because it's so good. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll jump into it. God, I love you. We love you. And we trust you. Would we trust you with our sexuality? Would we trust you with our bodies? And would you remove any shame or discouragement that there might be in this room? Would you bring up hope and strength? Knowing that there's a future for each and every one of us that's holy and pure. And would we walk in our identity in you? And Lord, let these truths, Holy Spirit, take these truths and sink them deep into our heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.